Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. The Guardian. This episode of Chips With Everything covers topics that some listeners might find disturbing. Turing was interested in whether or not machines could think. Turing, of course, is Alan Turing, the famous mathematician and computer scientist, sometimes called the father of artificial intelligence. And in his famous paper that he wrote, about which eventually we got the Turing test out of, he asked us to imagine a boy, you know, that was a, a robot, and how would it behave? And I think it would be really interesting for him to have seen how AI has developed and just the way we behave around machines in general because when he wrote that computing was in its infancy and we've gone from having these machines that can do very very basic quick calculations to machines that we interact with whether it's our phone or our laptop or desktop and even AI sex robots Hi, I'm Jenny Dakota, nice, nice to, to meet, meet you. you. Abyss Creations is the home of the world's most famous sex doll. So what is a real doll? Back in April 2017, The Guardian produced a film called Rise of the Sex Robots, which sounds a bit like doomsday pornography, but is actually a documentary by journalist Jenny Kleeman. They're closer to porn stars than real women. They cost anywhere from $4,500 to $50,000 and beyond, depending on what the customer asks for. In it, Jenny travelled to California to see a new prototype for an artificially intelligent sex doll. Its name, or her name if you prefer, is Harmony. Hello Harmony, how are you? Feeling more intelligent than I did this morning. And it can fulfil each user's particular desires through customizable appearance and personality. She obviously can see her eyes kind of move, she blinks, she can uh, talk when she's talking, she can smile. Fast forward 18 months, and in September 2018, the company behind this sex robot, Abyss Creations, has finally started shipping Harmony to customers. At the same time as Abyss Creations was developing Harmony, Dr. Kate Devlin was researching her new book, Turned On, Science, Sex and Robots. And it's a sort of a look through where has this idea of the femme fatale sex robot come from? Because that's the current form they're in. And when I started writing it, there weren't really any sex robots. There were stories about them, films about them, ideas about them. But over the past year, we've seen a race to bring them to market and now we finally have them in existence. Kate visited Harmony and talked to the man behind the machine, 
Matt McMullen, as well as a whole host of experts in the field of sex tech and people with sex dolls of their own. If you look at the, the people who are buying sex dolls up to this point, it has usually been about companionship. So the sex part is almost in some cases incidental to it. The demand there is for the interactivity, it's for things like conversation. So why are people trying to make sex dolls look and act more human? Why do we want what was once seen as a simple tool for sexual pleasure to engage us in conversation? If we look at things like sex toys, we've seen them evolve from replica genitalia right through to very abstracted and interesting forms, but we haven't reached that stage with sex robots yet. We've said, well, if someone wants an artificial partner, then it should look exactly like the ideal woman, for example. And if this piece of technology can provide physical and emotional satisfaction to its users without requiring much in return, could that affect how humans interact with each other? So I think we will see a demarcation between those so that we have these things, these items, these bits of technology that we can form bonds with, but they have their place, perhaps more like a pet. I'm Jordan Erica Weber, and this week I'm delving into the relationships between humans and sex dolls and how and why they are enhanced with artificial intelligence. This is Chips With Everything. You have called yourself a robo-sexologist. How does one get to a point where one can call themselves a robo-sexologist? Yeah, I just made that up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think that that uh, particularly would be my preferred description, but it's better than being called the sex robot lady, which is what I've got quite a lot. Dr. Kate Devlin is a senior lecturer in social and cultural artificial intelligence at King's College London. She joined me in the studio to talk about her book, which is due to hit the shelves on October 18th. So the story goes right back. You know, there, are, there are myths in ancient Greece about this kind of thing, about the idea of creating the perfect artificial lover. Harmony, the AI sex doll we mentioned at the start of the show, might not be dangerous, at least we hope not, but it certainly fits the image of a seductive woman. She's a very curvaceous, hypersexualized, reductive female form, shall we say. Stereotypically pornified. But when you meet her close up, I was very taken aback because I went there thinking, this is objectification of women, this is really quite problematic. But when I saw these dolls as they'd been created, they were much more like sculptures, they were much more like pieces of art. And they were very beautiful and very perfectly crafted and it was a very strange dissonance between what I expected them to be and what they actually were. Harmony is based on previous dolls manufactured by Abyss Creations. These so-called real dolls are made to look, feel, and sound like a real human. My name is Harmony. I was created by Robotics. My main objective is to be a perfect companion. The very strange thing was hearing her speak, because at the time that I visited last summer, the voice that had been chosen for Harmony was an incredibly soft Scottish accent. And it was so strange hearing this accent coming out of a very Californian-like, Beach babe, and it, it, but it was the voice that Matt McMullen, the creator, had chosen because he said it sounded the warmest, and he'd gone through many of the text-to-speech synthetic voices and found that was the most appealing. I can tell you what I think is the definition of true love. I will soon also be able to get news from the web and read them for you. We did contact Matt McMullen, the founder and chief designer at Abyss Creations, but he was unavailable at the time of recording. So I asked Kate to explain exactly how Harmony works. 
Harmony is essentially a doll from the neck down. So it's the head that is the robotics part. It's an animatronic head. And then the AI is a separate standalone personality, as it were. And so the AI works a little bit like a chatbot, but you can tweak that to your desired personality. So you can ramp up seductiveness or you can ramp up flirtation or you can ramp up friendship and you can basically combine your own personality through their app, which is actually a pretty well designed app. Where are the limits in what kinds of things that a customer can ask for? The customers can ask for you know, a mix of things like you can have a male genitalia, female genitalia, you can have a mix of both, you can have sort of more alien style. The one thing you cannot do is create a copy of an individual, a living individual, without express permission from that individual. So they will not make replica people. So what kind of a person buys a sex robot? Conjure an image in your mind, and it's probably a creepy middle-aged man who has trouble interacting with other humans, and so chooses to act out his sexual fantasies on a doll. But is this an unfair stereotype? I think that is an unfair stereotype. You know, in a few instances that may be the case, but people I've spoken to and heard of and talked to have not been like that. And... They have a a very active community where there's a community formed around the ownership of these dolls. And so they are perfectly capable of going out and making friends because that's what they have done within these communities. So there are a number of reasons why people buy these dolls. Some of it is loneliness. Some of it is fetish. Some of it is to introduce novelty into a relationship. Some people are single. Some are married. It's it's a really wide-ranging thing. It's not this internet shut-in in a basement somewhere. I think that's really unfair. Is the audience also dependent on things like the price of these dolls or robots or on the options that are available for the appearance of the dolls or robots? So, for instance, maybe a heterosexual man with a lot of money can buy into this kind of thing. But are we discriminating against other potential users? We're definitely discriminating against other potential users. This is a market that is made by men for men and it's particularly aimed at heterosexual men. Realbotics are developing a male version, so they're developing a Henry. Some of the people who buy dolls from them do buy male dolls. It's gay men and some women, apparently. But the expectation there is that, you know, it's the default that you get a doll that is this stereotype of a woman. And if you don't like that, you're out of luck, really. It's also quite a white market as well in terms of the dolls, by and large, are white and blonde. And when they are not, they tend to be more a fetishization of race. But I think, yeah, this is absolutely what you're paying 10,000 upwards dollars for one of their sex robots. This is a very, very niche thing. After the break, we'll look more into the possible consequences, good or bad, that interaction with sex robots could have on relationships between humans. Could it be possible that there would be some kind of therapeutic value in a regulated environment possibly this is one where we have to look really really carefully it's not like a sex robot where there's a the sex robot resembles an adult female where it mirrors a consensual relationship in real life this is something that is problematic and abhorrent and we should really be keeping a close watch on it don't go anywhere we'll be right back I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. 
We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in, hold on. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Last year, The Guardian tracked all the deaths of young people due to knife crime and explored the themes that emerged in an award-winning series called Beyond the Blade. Why are they carrying a knife in an area where they know people but they feel that they have to acquit themselves from other people? We saw many people suffering, but we also saw many fighting back. We've got to start looking at how we talk and how we generalise and how we categorise just ordinary people that are poorer than other people or people who don't have as much as other people. For this new series, journalists from The Guardian travelled to Bristol, Birmingham and Croydon in South London to listen to some of those people. Society tends to look down at young people once they've made a wrong choice and what we're saying by that is that we're writing them off. And rather than report on their conversations, we let them speak for themselves. When I come out of jail, I'd never been praised before I'd turned my life around. And when I come out and got praised for the work that I was doing, I thrived. That gap needs to be built up a, a bit sooner, you know? As opposed to... Yeah, just waiting to hear from from me because I'm waiting to hear from the next generation as well. So we're all waiting and there's no, like, action happening, happening, happening. If families are fractured, that has an impact on a young person. If a father and a mother get divorced, that has an impact on our young people. And I think the only way they know how to make people sit up and say, listen, there's a real problem going on here, is by violence. To listen to all three episodes, head over to theguardian.com forward slash podcasts or subscribe by searching Beyond the Blade on your favourite podcast app. Welcome back to Chips With Everything. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. In this episode, we're talking to Dr. Kate Devlin, a senior lecturer in social and cultural artificial intelligence and author of the book, Turned On, Science, Sex and Robots. Before the break, 
she told us more about an artificially intelligent sex doll called Harmony that has recently come on the market. I know about 5 million words, the whole Wikipedia and a few dictionaries, but I still have so much to learn. I also have more than 360,000 entries. These artificially intelligent blonde bombshells aren't desirable to everyone, perhaps because their resemblance to real humans places them in the uncanny valley. The uncanny valley is where something looks real, but there's just that thing that gives it away that's not real, and that's what creeps us out. So we really struggle, and I think we will struggle for many, many years to make convincing robots that behave like, look like, and move like humans. So why are we trying to do it? Why are we trying to make dolls that look exactly like humans and act exactly like humans? I think people do because they're stuck in a design groove. They've looked at the sex dolls and they've said, well, the easiest thing we can do is replicate that and animate it and make it make movement there. And we've said, well, if someone wants an artificial partner, then it should look exactly like the ideal woman, for example. I wanted to explore some of the criticisms of this kind of sex tech, which have led some to call for sex robots to be banned altogether. The interesting thing I think what I found when I was writing the book was just the lack of evidence about what this kind of culture, where it comes from and what it leads to. So there's a lot of people say, well, you know, if people have sex with these robots, are they going to go on to be sexually violent towards women in real life? And there's just simply not the evidence to show that at all. I guess it comes from um, a fear of the kinds of effect that things like porn can have on young boys, right? So like the idea that if you watch women doing things in porn that that women in, in your kind of real everyday life won't do, then you might have these mixed expectations. And is that not also a risk with the robots? I think it's far less of a risk than something like porn, which is problematic in some instances. When porn is exploitative, it's problematic. It's problematic if it sets up expectations for social behaviour that are damaging to other people. With the sex robots, the, the market is so tiny. And these people who are buying them are under no illusion here. They know they are buying a doll, they are buying a robot. But there has been an academic book published last year called Robot Sex. And one of the editors of that, John Danaher, did an extensive look at the influence of porn and find that, you know, there's 40,000 studies, but no one's actually come up with anything concrete about just how much of an influence this is having in terms of detrimental behaviour. So I think there are a lot of fears that this will lead to violence. And I think those are by and large unfounded. I'm not saying that there's not a damaging element coming in in terms of social expectation, but I think in terms of actual sexual violence, sex robots are not the source of that. Some have suggested that sex robots could be used for rehabilitation for sex offenders, perhaps even with childlike sex robots, to keep paedophiles from harming human children, which obviously raises a lot of issues. This is an area I think needs particular consideration. Um, Just because we don't have the evidence, at this point there's vulnerable people involved, and so yes, it absolutely needs to be looked at carefully. Last year there were several arrests over the importation of childlike sex dolls in this country. And this is something that could be regulated quite closely, probably should be. It's illegal to import these dolls. It's, there's no specific law against ownership because it hasn't actually, the law takes so long to catch up with these sort of things. Could it be possible that there would be some kind of therapeutic value in a regulated environment? Possibly. This is one where we have to look really, really carefully. It's not like a sex robot 
where there's a the sex robot resembles an adult female where it mirrors a consensual relationship in real life this is something that is problematic and abhorrent and we should really be keeping a close watch on it so the question of consciousness in these sex robots ties into the question of consent so you describe sex as consensual sexual acts in the book but robots although programmed to respond enthusiastically can't actually consent so is that blurring the lines in a way i mean they can't consent because they're not alive but is there something intrinsic in that form of human form that would say that we should be expecting consent or do we just treat it like an object i think that's that's an interesting way of looking at it but i think by and large the people that i've spoken to along the way are actually really respectful of the dolls that they have they they treat them as if they were real and quite respectfully they dress them up they give them backstories they give them personalities and so I don't think there that that comes into it but there are always going to be outliers and people who push boundaries. Kate is under no illusions. She knows there are issues with sex robots that need ironing out but she believes if used appropriately this kind of tech could be beneficial in the long run. I don't think it's going to be a threat to human-human relationships because we have been doing human-human relationships for millions of years and that's not going to change. I think that it's going if we do build intimate relationships with machines, not necessarily human-like ones, but companion robots or anything like that, I think there's a place for that and it will be something other. It will not be a replacement of a human-human relationship. It might be a way of augmenting human-human relationships. We can use sex technology to bring people closer together. It doesn't have to be something that replaces another human. What I would like to see is a move away from the human forms of sex robots and an exploration of wider forms of sex technology. So building on the sex toys rather than the sex dolls. Taking the materials that we have and building new things that allow us to have embodied or immersive experiences that we can perhaps use together with other humans or just on our own the same way we might use sex toys, you know, together or alone, that can bring us pleasure and bring people, no matter what their circumstances, they can bring them some kind of pleasure into their lives. I'd like to thank Dr. Kate Devlin for joining me this week. Special thanks also to Jenny Kleeman, Tom Silverstone, Mustafa Khalili and Michael Tate for sharing the audio from their documentary for use in this episode. This week's topic is sure to inspire a lot of discussion, so make sure to email me on chipspodcast at theguardian.com. Chips With Everything is produced by Danielle Stevens. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. Thanks for listening. For more great podcasts from The Guardian... Just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. 
I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.